Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, Kerry Manpatrick Foley has created a niche in the financial advisor market by helping professional footballers and their families with managing their wealth. And he joins us now to tell us more. Patrick, we'll be discussing your business, Sonar Financial Services, and how you help elite sports stars with managing their money. But first, I'd like to get an insight into your own background. Good morning, Carl, and thank you for having me. Yeah, sure. So in September 2009, I finished my master's degree in UL, and then I moved to London actually the following day to start work for NatWest Private Banking on their graduate program. So that was due to be a two-year program, and after 12 months, an opportunity arose to join Coots Bank based on the Strand in London, and I was there for six years working across initially the land and estate division, and then laterally the, the sports division, sports and entertainment primarily football. I left there in 2016 as I had a number of footballers as clients and decided that I wanted to leave the bank and work directly for the clients themselves. And talk to us about your time at Coots Bank and managing the cash flows of your aristocrat clients. Yeah, that was a bit, a bit of a baptism of fire. You know, I had a, a young Kerry lad going into uh, Coots Bank dealing with the aristocrats was, was interesting. Uh, I guess from a, you know, a liquidity point of view, those big assets, the big end of the states, whether it's in, you know, we had some clients that owned, you know, 15 acres in central London down to, you know, Oxfordshire and huge, huge sprawling estates. So very asset rich, uh, cash relatively poor. These estates are very expensive to run just to turn the lights on. Um, and it was a fascinating learning into cash flow. Um, we would lend them money, you know, secured against assets on the estate typically. Um, but then that would be repaid typically throughout the year, depending on sale of crops or maybe sale of assets on the estate. Although the sale of assets is something they, they really wanted to avoid at all costs. You know, they see themselves as custodians of those assets. They've been passed them and they want to make sure to try and pass them on to the next generation in a, in a better way that they can. But it is definitely... Uh, labour and capital intensive and being able to see that you know from the inside was was absolutely fascinating so how did you get your big break in the company's sports division yeah so how i got the break there was the sports team was situated probably you know 50 feet down the hallway from the the landed gentry um, team so i had a lot of conversations with the people in that team already Um, and when an opportunity arose one of the main bankers on the team left uh, well he, he went on a sabbatical um, around south america they needed someone to come in and manage um, the book of clients but when i say the book of clients you know you're talking as a kind of late 20 year old like the the creme de la creme of of football in the uk so i was extremely lucky but i got that opportunity my cousin had played for for ireland and wolverhampton wanderers at the time as well so i was able to add some insight to them too um and that was just, it was fascinating to see, you know, where the money comes, where the money, more importantly, goes, um, and the pitfalls that, that these guys can kind of fall into. And before you then set up your own financial services business, you decided to go off and get some experience to see exactly how a financial advice firm was being run. Exactly. Uh, you know, in when I left in 2016, my view was that I wasn't ready to get directly authorised with the Financial Conduct Authority in terms of a firm. I wanted to show my clients that in an independent environment, it works. So I wanted to move them out of the bank 
into the independent world. And I did a joint venture with an existing financial advice firm. So over the five or six years that I did that, I was alongside working with the clients that I brought across and added to, I was able to learn from them the nuances of running a financial advice firm. And that really set me up in a fantastic way to then apply as of you know, last November, I got the authorization, but to apply and get the authorization from the Financial Thomas Authority in the UK, because that is, that is difficult and it's there to protect consumers and clients, which is great. Um, but I also had to go to another level because predominantly dealing with footballers who traditionally have been terribly advised and maybe the advisor ends up in Dubai and collapses the business. And then when the player has an issue, there's no advisor there. So I had to go through a number of extra hoops, which again is there to protect the client, but it made for uh, an interesting 2021, that's for sure. But thankfully, it all, it all went well and we got the green light uh, last December. So last December, when you did get the green light for Sonar Financial Services, what was your vision for the business? It was really to build like a, a family office type service. So provide a number of services to these players independently, um, working directly for the players, but I also changed significantly what would be a traditional charging model. And instead of charging clients percentages every time they invest money, you know, I moved to more of a subscription-based model. So a young footballer can pay us a fixed monthly fee. They can add to their investments. We can help them buy the property. We can negotiate on their behalf. We can sort the mortgage independently, sort the insurances, and, and almost protect them from themselves in what can be a very murky world down to getting involved on the banking side of it by you know reorganizing their bank accounts to help them build good financial habits which is which is vital in what we do and how have you said about securing elite sports stars as clients well it was initially looking at obviously the number of the clients i had built up over the years i pitched the proposition what we were trying to do and why i was doing it and thankfully of all the clients i approached to to join me on the journey and so on. Every one of them did come with me, which is very reassuring. Um, and at that point, it was a case of, well, actually, you know, for example, there's a number of lads in the Ireland camp that I, we work with, and it was saying, well, what are the other clients in that, maybe the Ireland setup or the English senior setup? Who do we want to work with? And we use maybe existing clients or existing parents of clients to try and get a conversation with them and really kind of build organically. This is not a case of pile them high. It's, it's value over volume. So we don't want a lot of clients. They're very um, labor intensive. It's probably a polite way of putting it. There's a lot of work to do for them. So we're just careful that we don't take on um, a lot of clients, but we set the bar accordingly. Yeah, I have to say George Best's famous quote comes to mind where he said he spent a lot of money on booze, women and fast cars and the rest he squandered. That's often told as a joke, but is it still an adequate representation of a professional footballer today? I would say thankfully, absolutely not. And definitely not my clients, I'll guarantee you that. But no, I think we're seeing, you know, we're seeing clients that footballers that want to take more interest in where their money goes off the pitch. Um you look at people that are investing in sustainable business, you're seeing sports start pooling their money, some pooling their money together and investing in tech companies and startups and things like that. They, they do want to know more and more about where their money is going. And that's, you know, that's only a good thing um, to make sure that they have that stability after they retire from football. That's not to say they don't like their nice things. <laughs> don't get me wrong, they do. But I think it's just managing that and allowing for that 
by being able to make sure that you know their property is being bought and repaid and their investments are being built to provide them that cash flow like we talked about at the start, that cash flow for a player um, so it's there when they retire from football and there's no surprises. And Patrick, you mentioned earlier in the interview that a lot of these footballers have got a lot of bad advice over the years. Can you provide us with any insights into that? Oh, yeah. Too, too much, too many. Uh, when I was at the bank originally, you know, I was being asked to lend money to help um, players with tax bills at like 36 and 37 years of age. So I couldn't understand how, you know, these were some of my idols when I was growing up. And now they're asking us for a lend because they've attacked. I just I couldn't get my head around it. You dig deeper and it's, you know, advisors putting them into certain investments that were maybe unregulated or just just wrong on day one. Um, even as recent of, of, as two months ago, you know, there was a, a former footballer who pretended to be a financial advisor, approached a lot of his existing friends, they were former friends, and they've ended up squandering up to 15 million quid. You know, there was no checks and balances between that investment idea and the player investing that money. And I think that's vital where I try and bridge that gap to be almost like the Rottweiler at the front gate, I call myself. To, to, to be the no guy rather than the yes man and say, well, actually, I wouldn't do this for these reasons because there's been several examples of that. And honestly, we don't need another one. But there was one you know, in November, not that long ago, unfortunately. So is most of the problem in this area related to maybe friends, family and former colleagues? I think who to trust is, is a big thing. And it's really difficult for players starting out and, and parents starting out to know who to trust with money. Um, as you get older in your career, you know, the costs of making a mistake are, are huge because you have a finite window left to have the earnings capacity that these people have. So I think potentially, it's, yeah, trusting the wrong people, not understanding enough the questions that need to be asked um, and not having someone to kind of sit beside them, working for them, to vet these investment ideas, Um and, you know, what you might think is get rich quick, you know, 60% a year guaranteed return. There is no such thing. You're guaranteed to lose 100% of those kind of things. I'm more a preacher of get rich slowly uh, because you have a good fo- football contract there. Let's just not get too greedy, you know, and that's something I say to my clients quite often. And, of course, property investment and investing in shares are often the easy solution when people want to get a return on their money. But what do you say when your clients want to invest in these asset classes? Yeah, I think, again, it's just education. Um, and that's a large part of what we do from, a ver- from the very start. Um, we embrace that. I do think, you know, personally, I think players should have a property portfolio. I think they should have um, investment portfolios, have liquidity. But there's a lot of pitfalls associated with property as well. You know, the, the days of your Robbie Fowler buying up streets in Liverpool. Um, you know, I personally don't, for my clients, we, we don't do that. We buy better quality assets maybe less of them, but better quality. You're going to have a better quality tenant, typically, less turnover, less damage in the house, uh, traditionally. Um, so safer, long-term assets. And Patrick, what are the greatest challenges that your clients cause for you? Good question. Um, I think, look, they're, t- they're time poor, okay? So being able to get something signed or being able to get things, that, that's one. You get a lot of investment ideas. I call them an ideas, not to come as, you know, they pitch to the players, the players send them to me. Um, and, you know, that's quite laborious to go through each and every one, but we make sure we do, because if we don't do it, like I said, those checks and balances that we talked about, they can't. So 
we do get a lot of that, and that's a large part of what we do. It's as much as, you know, protecting them, you know, not saying put your money into this. It's almost like, well, don't put your money into this, and these are the reasons why. It's almost a lot of the work you was advising them not to do something uh, as much as advising them to do something. But we're, we're really lucky to deal with the type of clients we deal with and their families who are, you know, they're fantastic, and it's great to be on that journey with these players. When it comes to money, people have two approaches. One person focuses on today and the other person focuses on the long term. Yeah, I'm the guy that probably sits right in the middle. I guess these guys, there's an element of keeping up with Joneses. They want a nice lifestyle today. And I'm a firm believer in being able to deliver that for them. So we build that into our plan. That's really with just one eye on the future as well. As long as we're building assets that are income-producing for post-retirement from football, and I can build you a cash flow that looks like maybe you know, 18, 20 grand a month for life after football, um, you can also have the nice things today. It's really the important thing is getting that balance right between the two because you can do too much of the first one, which leads to nothing of the second one. Uh, and you also need to have a life right now. They're in a very high-pressured environment. I get that. Um, it's just about getting that balance right, which is a delicate—it's uh, a delicate one for sure. Carl. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast.